It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 397 for June 15th, 2014. This week, if you need a screen capture utility, you won't find anything better than Snagit 12. It's almost enough to make you stop using your credit card. A restaurant chain is the latest company to bleed information about thousands of people. In short circuits, Google acquires Slick Login, but now what? China's 11 Main opens in the U.S. Another Google Buys story, this one's about Skybox. Amazon adds streaming music for Prime subscribers. And NPR airs an outstanding series on internet privacy. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Snagit is one of the applications that I often think cannot be improved, but then TechSmith releases a new version and proves me wrong. That process was in jeopardy with version 11, but the just-released version 12 ground away any version 11 rough edges and made several additional improvements that make it a must-have application for anybody who needs a screen capture tool. When TechSmith released version 11 of Snagit, there was a fair amount of pushback from users. It was about features that had been dropped. Granted, these were all features that few people used. Some I didn't even know were there. But it still created controversy. Then, late in version 11, TechSmith added what's called a library view that changed the way older captures are organized. Users gathered somewhat metaphorically, around TechSmith and raised their metaphorical pitchforks. The changes in version 11 were on the roadmap to version 12, which has just now been released. Perhaps users will put away those pitchforks because the latest version is well worth the $25 cost of the upgrade. Snagit has been the leading screen capture program for so long that I can no longer remember when it wasn't. If it's on the screen, Snagit will be able to capture it. And that's probably one of the main reasons that most people who need to illustrate a process on a computer choose Snagit. Computers do have built-in capabilities to capture screenshots, but some things tend to disappear when you try to capture them. Ever try to capture a menu, for example? For the past several versions, Snagit has even had the ability to capture things that aren't on the screen. A website, for example. One that doesn't fit in a single window. Snagit can automatically scroll vertically, horizontally, or in both directions to capture everything. When this feature was introduced several versions back, it didn't work very well. Now it does. But capturing the image is just the start. After capturing information from a screen, you might need to make it more usable by highlighting an area, or by using an arrow or a callout, maybe adding some text, or applying sequence numbers. Or maybe you need to crop the image, blur a section for privacy, or combine multiple captures into a single image. Snagit does all of those with ease. A change made late in version 11 to the blur tool changed how it works. Although the new method is an improvement, I wish the older method had been retained as an option. I thought it might return in version 12. It didn't. 
The new method allows the user to increase, decrease, move, or eliminate a blur at any time. You couldn't do that before. But blurring adjacent areas creates division lines that are ugly. The previous method did that with ease. Overall, though, the advantages of the new system outweigh the disadvantages of not having the old method. The user can also convert an image to grayscale and add labels or other graphics. TechSmith calls these little graphics stamps, and it makes hundreds of them available for free on their website. Topics range from education and seasonal to Windows cursors and smiley faces. If you don't find what you're looking for, you can create your own. And TechSmith now has a utility called Fuse. It's an app for Android and iOS devices. Fuse is free, and anybody who needs to document an Android or iOS application can grab screenshots there and then export them via Wi-Fi to a desktop system where Snagit is running. Note, though, that Fuse is not a screen capture application itself. You have to use the built-in Android or iOS function for that. Instead, Fuse delivers images from your portable device directly to Snagit on the desktop. Most users will set up profiles that end with an image being saved in Snagit's proprietary format so that any modifications made to the image can be adjusted later, but Snagit saves all images even if you don't explicitly do so yourself. A new feature also records what application was running when the image was captured. This makes it really easy to find specific images later as long as you remember what application was running. And if you're trying to document something, you'll probably remember that. Snagit also knows enough to get out of its own way. Not all screen capture utilities do this. By default, the application will disappear before capturing an image. You'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website some screenshots of Snagit. So you maybe you're wondering how I got those images. Well, it's an option, and you can turn it off. So I did when I wanted to capture images of Snagit itself. Consider this kind of a high-tech selfie. After an image is captured, I have it open in the Snagit editor. This allows me to add various graphics or crop the image. It also lets me confirm that the capture I got was exactly what I wanted. Although my default saves images in the Snag format, you can also save images in PNG or any of several other common formats. But it's not all static screenshots. TechSmith has a video capture program, but Snagit might do everything you need in terms of video. Called Camtasia, the video capture program is intended for documentation professionals, and at $300, you probably won't buy it unless you have a serious need to produce screen capture videos. But if you do need to create screen capture videos, you won't find a better application. Until version 12, Snagit didn't include a video editor, although it did capture videos. Now an editor is present, and you don't need a separate program to trim away parts of the captured video. The editor makes that process easy by doing almost everything automatically. Just set an in point, an out point, and click cut. The section you want to be removed will be gone, and the hole is closed up automatically. Don't, however, look for any fancy effects or the ability to add titles. This is, as I said, not Camtasia. In version 11, TechSmith switched away from using the AVI format for video, now uses the MPEG-4 format that makes video files easier to use in other applications. Snagit has several default profiles that specify what the program will capture, 
when and what will happen to the image after it's been captured. The all-in-one profile might be all you need. Trigger it and you'll be presented with crosshairs that you can drag to select a rectangle or hover over a window to select what's in that window. Some of the other profiles will automatically insert the capture into Word or record a video and upload it to Screencast. Images can also be exported directly to Excel or PowerPoint. The defaults may be enough. In fact, just one default may be enough, but if you decide you want to set up other profiles, they're really easy to create. Snagit can also be integrated with Google Drive, but not with any of the other common storage services like Dropbox. The bottom line, five cats, only because that's the top rating. I can't give it ten cats. Snagit is the screen capture utility that is missing only one thing. Serious competition. Other screen capture applications exist. Some are free, some are paid. No other application comes even close to offering Snagit's broad feature set and ease of use. It seems that the developers at TechSmith continue to compete with themselves to continuously improve Snagit. You'll find additional details on the TechSmith website. There is, of course, a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Day another data breach. This time it's restaurant chain PF Chang's that says thieves have apparently made off with credit card information from thousands of their customers' credit cards. As usual, the first warning came from security guru Brian Krebs. Krebs reported that thousands of new credit card numbers appeared on a website that was used to sell credit card information following last year's breach at Target stores. You can buy the information pulled from credit card magnetic strips for as little as 20 bucks, although information from some credit cards fetch more than $125. Here's an impertinent question. Why can't law enforcement shut down sites like these? Well, anyway. Krebs says that bank investigators purchased information about the stolen credit cards and determined that the one factor they all had in common is that they had been used recently at Chang's. A spokesman for Chang says the company is working with banks and investigators to determine what happened. Chang's operates 200 stores under the name Chang's and another 170 as Peiwi Asian Diners. Meanwhile, Target has hired someone who actually knows something about data security to head its data security operation. Brad Mayorino has been hired as the company's executive vice president and chief information officer. Unlike his predecessor, Mayorino has significant experience with data security. He headed General Motors' Global Information Security Division and earlier was the chief information security officer at General Electric. Credit cards available for most U.S. banks and financial institutions are weak when compared to cards available in Europe. Possibly hoping to find a bright spot in the middle of disaster, Target says that it is moving quickly to introduce more secure payment card technology for any cards that carry the Target brand. And on the business side, Target lowered its profit outlook for the year in May after reporting a 16% decline in net profit during the first quarter. Following the data breach, sales, not unexpectedly, dropped sharply. In 
short circuits, several months ago, Google acquired Slick Login, a startup company headquartered in Israel. Since then, I've been trying to imagine how Google might use the technology. Slick Login allows a user's smartphone to serve as part of a two-factor authentication process. Most of the current two-factor authentication process systems require a second action by the user, such as entering a security code that's sent to a phone when logging in via computer. Slick Login reportedly eliminates the need for that second action by the user, but it still requires the phone. At the time of acquisition, the Slick Login website noted, and I quote, Google was the first company to offer the two-step verification to everyone for free, and they're working on some great ideas that will make the internet safer for everyone. Security startups are big business right now, in no small part because of revelations about activities by the National Security Agency and spying by organizations such as the Chinese military. Israel is, perhaps understandably, the place where a lot of work is being done on computer security. Two-factor authentication improves security dramatically, but few people are willing to bother with the extra work required. Anything that makes a computer harder to use will see only minimal acceptance, and the need to deal with hardware tokens, external apps, and various other secondary authentication methods adds complexity that most people don't want to deal with. If slick login can be used to simplify the process, it's more likely to be used. The need to have a second device nearby will still keep some people from using it because not everybody has a smartphone in their pocket 24 hours a day. After all, the phone has to be in a charger, perhaps in another room, some of the time. But this could all be a start. Google's actually been on a buying spree lately. You'll hear more about that in just a bit. In January, the company acquired Impermium to obtain its product that fights spam and fraud. You know what? The right things are changing. The average pencil is going to be smarter than I am by the end of the year. The nation that fuels companies such as Walmart with cheap goods is also home to the operator of a new website in the United States that intends to provide web presence for small business retailers. In other words, exactly the kinds of shops that Walmart has driven out of business. Can China save smaller retailers in the U.S.? 11main.com opened on Wednesday in test mode. To shop there, you need an invitation. There's a button on the site's main page. It'll take you to an application form. The site begins operations with more than 1,000 shops. These have been selected from what 11main's owners say were thousands of applicants. 11main doesn't feature big retailers. They have their own sites. But instead intends to attract smaller stores that offer and I quote here, U.S.-made sustainable goods. Perhaps you sense a certain amount of irony in that statement. 11main.com is owned by Alibaba, China's largest website operator. In May, the Chinese company filed for an initial public offering in the U.S., but even with no presence at all in the United States, Alibaba is already larger than Amazon. It's larger than eBay. Heck, it's even larger than Amazon and eBay put together. The IPO could raise $20 billion for the Chinese company. 
The new site is based in San Mateo, California, and the parent company, Alibaba, is 15 years old. There are no ads on the 11main.com site. Retailers pay no monthly fees, no annual fees. They do, however, give the site operators a 3.5% commission on every transaction. The site's design reminds many people of Pinterest, and the site provides video clips that highlight the owners of some of the shops. Google buys. Seems like I just said that. The whole thing seems to be a catchphrase these days. The latest plum to fall into Google's big basket is Skybox Imaging. That's a company that provides high-resolution satellite pictures. Google picked it up for the low, low price of just $500 million, and these days that's almost chump change. Google already has the most popular mapping service on the planet. They have Google Earth, they have Street View, Skybox will add even better images of more areas because the five-year-old company has developed a way to put cheap satellites in orbit. Google already has plans to use high-flying drones and maybe balloons to deliver the Internet to sparsely populated areas. Google says the satellites will help keep the company's maps accurate with up-to-date imagery. The satellites that Skybox launches are inexpensive because they use devices that can be bought at electronic stores, not specialized devices made exclusively for use in space. With absolutely no fanfare, Amazon has added music streaming to its Amazon Prime service this week. Prime is the $80 annual subscription service, increasing to $100 per year the next time you renew. It provides no extra charge two-day shipping for many products and some limited video streaming. An Amazon page that appeared on Thursday morning said that Prime Music will include unlimited ad-free streaming. But how big is the selection of music? So far, that question is largely unanswered. There are hints, though, that the service will provide a relatively long list of artists, but only a limited selection from each artist, and generally not any current hits. Maybe you could think of this as the oldies station of online streaming. Not all record labels will be represented. Universal Music, for example, has refused to allow the service to stream music from its most popular artists, such as Elton John and Lady Gaga. Amazon also hasn't reached a deal with Warner Brothers. Because the music selection will be limited, Amazon Prime Music probably won't be much of a threat to Pandora, Spotify, and the other large players in that market space. Amazon is positioning the $100 per year Prime service as a better deal than music streaming services that cost $100 a year for just the music. Approximately 20 million people subscribe to Prime. Adding the streaming service probably will result in more online music sales via Amazon, which is already one of the top sellers of online music. And in closing, a quick note on Internet privacy. NPR had a program this week that would be well worth listening to. NPR reporter Steve Henn presented a series of reports on Morning Edition. Initially, the story was pegged on what an organization such as the National Security Agency, 
might be able to obtain with its massive data gobbling programs. But it also examined applications that seem to be encrypted but can still leak personal information. It was a very interesting series. I highly recommend it. You'll find a link to the NPR story on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.